How are we doing, Ridge Church? All right, hey, my name is Bobby. I am one of the pastors here at the Ridge. We're so glad uh, you joined us today as we continue uh, walking through a series on prayer. And so for the last several weeks, we've been talking about uh, sort of how we, uh, how we pray. We're talking about why we pray, why we should pray. Uh, we've been talking about some of the ways that we can pray, and, and so the, the practicality of prayer. And so today we're going to be talking about some of the implications of prayer, more specifically talking about being bold in our prayers, how we should pray with boldness, but not only with boldness, but how we should pray for boldness. And so uh, if you've not had a chance to catch up on this series, I encourage you to go to ridgechurch.cc and just uh, get caught up on the three weeks prior to this. Uh, we've got one more week in the series next week. We'll land the plane, and I just encourage you to, to be here also next week. Uh, if you're here two weeks in a row, we call that a streak. That's cool, right? And so if you can be here next week, we're going to be talking about what happens when we pray and God doesn't answer the way that we wanted him to. And so it's going to be really encouraging, I think, to a lot of us. But today, we're talking about boldness and boldness in prayer and praying for boldness. And so to sort of give us a, a base to jump off of today, something to, to work with and to work out of, I want to give you a, a definition. This is not the Webster definition of boldness, but it is a definition that fits within that, uh, that we can work from today. But it's simply this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down if you want. Boldness is a behavior born out of what you believe about God. Let me say that again. Boldness is a behavior born out of what you believe about God. Or you could say it this way, is that boldness is courage that is born out of trust in God. Boldness is courage that is born out of trust in God. Now, I know this statement to be true for myself especially. I know it to be true for some of you and for others that I know. Uh, but it's, it's this, is that how we pray... And what we pray for reflects what we believe about God. Think about that for a moment. How you pray and what you pray for will reflect what you believe about God. Now, I know this to be true also is that your world and my world are probably different. Like there are things that, that I will pray for that you're not praying for. There are things that I'm worried about that, that you're not worried about. Things that I'm scared of that you're not scared of. This has never been more clear and true to me than when I watch our three-year-old daughter pray. Because what she is afraid of in her world is much different than what I'm afraid of in, in my world. And so I, I know this to be absolutely true, is that her reality... Is her reality. It's not my reality. It's not my wife's reality. It's not my reality. It's not your reality. Our realities are different. And so the reality for my daughter is, is that now for some reason, I guess it was a few weeks ago, we uh, happened to find a stink bug in our house. You ever see those in your house, like crawling around sometimes or out somewhere or whatever? And so we, we found one and, and my daughter comes running through the hallway. She's deathly afraid of this stink bug you know she's screaming that there's a bug in the house there's a bug in the house there's a bug in the house so i go and i i pick up the bug and i hold the bug and i you know cupped it in my hands right i ain't squashing that joker because then you know what happens right that's why they call him a stink bug right and so i'm like holding this thing and i i show it to her and like she wants nothing to do with this stink bug nothing at all to do with this stink bug so i take it and i throw it outside and later that night and from that night on from for the last several weeks now i guess she, in her prayer time, when we sit down to pray with our kids, this has been part of her prayer time. She says, God, 
kill the stink bug. God killed the stink bug. And that's her reality. Like she, uh, her reality is stink bugs are the biggest thing in her life. Like she is afraid of stink bugs. It's the biggest worry that she has in her life right now is that the stink bugs are going to come after her for some reason. And so here's what I thought about though. I thought about this the other day. I thought, you know, she might be afraid of stink bugs, but she believes that God is big enough to handle the stink bugs. And that's the biggest thing in her life. And so, I ask you this question. How big is God to you? Like, how, how, how big is, is God able for you? How big is God to you? Because how you pray and what you pray for reflects what you believe about God. So, are you praying big prayers? Are you praying bold prayers? Are you praying prayers that you believe that God will actually answer because you believe in a big God? Hebrews 7 says that, that God is able to save to the uttermost. That means that, that God is, is, is able, that he is able to bring the person who is most far from God, he is able to draw them and to save them and to bring them in. And I don't know, maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you feel like that, that God wants nothing to, to do with you, that he can't save you because of your past or because of your present even or because of something that you've done maybe it's not you maybe it's somebody that you know but hebrews 7 the writer of hebrews says that god is able to save to the uttermost do you believe that do you believe what jesus said in mark 9 23 when he said that all things are possible for those who believe do you believe that do you believe that all things are possible for those who believe when you pray are you praying boldly and are you praying for boldness? Because how we pray and what we pray for reflects what we believe about God. And if we're being honest, most of us could probably say this honestly, is that when we pray, a lot of times when we pray, we're praying very timidly. We're praying very timidly. We might pray small prayers. We're not praying for, for boldness on a daily basis. I know that I'm not always praying for boldness like I should on a daily basis. Oftentimes, I wonder that when I pray sometimes, I wonder that when I finish and I say amen, I wonder if God doesn't look down at me sometimes and go, is that all you got? Like, come on, man. I'm bigger than this. I'm stronger than that. Is that all you've got? Like, give me something to work with here. Because I'm very timid sometimes in my prayers. It's almost like, uh, I remember being a, a teenager and, and going to my parents to ask my parents for something big, you know, like it, to, to borrow money or to, to borrow the car or, you know, go out of town for a few days or, you know, whatever, you know, and, and very timidly tiptoeing around asking my parents, you know, this, this question that was really big to me, you know, and I sort of tiptoe around it and try to candy coat it and try to work my way around it. And my dad would just be like, what do you want? Spit it out. Like, quit. Like, just tell me, you know? And sometimes I feel like that, that we're that way with God sometimes. God's just like, come on. Is that, is that all? Be a little, come on, give me something. Because we can be very timid. We can very be small. We pray small prayers sometimes, I think, because we have, or in our minds, we believe that we have a small God. Maybe we believe that God isn't big enough or that he simply doesn't care. Or maybe we just don't pray at all because we, we, we did that once. We tried that. We prayed, 
nothing happened. God didn't answer the way that we wanted him to, and so we're done. We're just like, you know what, I'm, gonna t- I'm not praying anymore because maybe prayer doesn't work, and so maybe we just believe that prayer doesn't work. How we pray and what we pray for reflects what we believe about God. And so I ask you this morning, how are you praying? What are you praying for? Today we're looking at praying bold prayers and and actually walking in that boldness. We can pray bold prayers all we want, but until we also have the courage to walk in that boldness, then all we're doing is is simply just praying a bold prayer. But we also need the the courage to walk in the boldness. And so we're going to unpack this today from Acts chapter 4. If you have a Bible, open up there and follow along with me in Acts 4. If you don't have one, we have free ones right outside of these doors at the Ridge Central table. We would love to to give you one of those, or you can follow along on the screen back here behind me. Let me catch you up to speed what's happening here in, uh, really in history at this point, so you kind of understand what is taking place here. Acts is the sequel to the Gospels, and so you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the Gospels, that's the story of Jesus. We see uh, the ascension of Jesus there, or we see the uh, crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus there at the end of the Gospels. When we get to the book of Acts, it is really the, the sequel to the Gospels. And so the book of Acts is written by a man by the name of Luke. Now, Luke is not one of the disciples. Luke is actually a man who was hired by another man named Theophilus, to write the history of Jesus. That's where we get the book of Luke from. Imagine that, Luke. Okay, get that, putting the connection there. All right, and then Luke also writes the book of Acts. Now, Luke is actually a medical doctor and a journalist, and so he is really just writing all of this information down to the Gentiles, the people who are not Jewish, so that they can get the story of Jesus. And so in the book of Acts, we see the church begin to form. We see the first church happen. And so in Acts chapter 1, Jesus, he has been crucified, he is resurrected, he has appeared again to many of the the disciples and many others at this point. And then in Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus say his last words to us before he ascends into heaven. And so in Acts 1-8, Jesus says this, he says, but you will receive power. Now that's important, power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so what Jesus is saying here is he is saying that I am not going to be here any longer, but you have someone, he said this before, he said, you have someone better than me. You have the Holy Spirit who will continue to be with you and the Holy Spirit will make you bold. The Holy Spirit will make you courageous. The Holy Spirit will give you power and you will be my witnesses, meaning you will reflect me you will speak about me you will tell others about me in your little place where you are now and a little bit further and a little bit further all the way until the ends of the earth you will reflect me and so this is the last thing that jesus says he rises into heaven the holy spirit is is given the church begins peter preaches his first sermon peter was one of the disciples that was with jesus one of the original 12 and so peter preaches his first sermon now if you have any bible knowledge at all you kind of understand a little bit about peter if not let me catch you up a, a little bit on peter peter was a man who was very bold in intentions 
but he was not very good at carrying out that boldness when we see him in the Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In fact, Peter is one of the guys, or is the guy who Jesus says, hey, Peter, I'm walking on water. Come and walk on the water with me. And Peter very boldly says, I'm in. I got this. Let's do this. So he steps out onto the water, and Peter walks for about half a second before he swims, right? Very bold in intentions, but not very good at carrying them out. Later on, we see Peter, at, right before Jesus is crucified, Jesus says, there will be one of you who denies me. And Peter is the first one to speak up and say, not me. <laughs> I got this, like, boldly, right? And then a few hours later, Peter is the one saying, I don't know that guy, Jesus, who is that? You got the wrong guy, not me. Bold in intentions, but not very good at actually walking in that boldness. And so when we see Peter in the book of Acts, we're like, wait a minute, that's not the same Peter that we saw in the Gospels. There's something different about this Peter. So what is it that's different about this Peter? Well, I tell you what is different about this man that is not the same is that after Jesus was crucified and resurrected and he appears again, he appears back to his disciples and Peter, and he has an encounter with a resurrected Jesus. And let me tell you this, church, when you see a resurrected Jesus, you will never be the same. When you are with Jesus, you will never be the same. Peter was a different man. And now, not only is he different because of that, but now he also has the power of the Holy Spirit making him brave, making him courageous, making him bold. And so Peter's standing in front of thousands of people. It's a really crazy scene. He's standing in front of thousands of people, and he preaches his first sermon, which is really weird for him to preach this. It wasn't like people came to church that day. They were at a festival, the Barley Festival, which is basically like Mardi Gras. Okay? This is what's going on. It's basically Mardi Gras happening in Jerusalem, and Peter stands up and goes, I'm going to preach a sermon. Right? Like, like any good pastor would do in a crowd of people who goes, man, I need to preach, like right now. And so he gets up, and he preaches his first sermon in front of thousands of people, and thousands of people, the Bible says that thousands of people come to know Jesus that day, are saved. Now, I remember when I preached my first sermon. It was in front of tens of people. And when I say tens, I mean like 11, okay? So it's like 10 plus 1, maybe. And I'm here to tell you that thousands of people did not get saved. Tens of people did not get saved. I think tens of people became heretics that day because it was so bad. It was not very good. It was, it was awful. In fact, my first probably 150, maybe even 200 sermons were really, really bad. Maybe this one's bad. I don't know. We'll see. But not very good. But the, God moved because the Holy Spirit made them brave. The Holy Spirit made them bold. The Holy Spirit moved that day in the book of Acts. And when we see the church form, thousands of people come to know Jesus that day. Acts chapter 3, you skip down just a little bit. Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray. And as they're on their way to the temple to pray, they run across a man who is about 40 years old who has been sitting at the gate of the temple every single day for almost 40 years who cannot walk. And he's asking people for money as they walk up to the temple, and he's asking them for alms. He comes across Peter and John, and he looks at them, and he asks them for money. And I love the exchange that takes place next. Peter looks at the man, and he looks right down at him, and he says, look at me, look at me, which would be really weird if it's just a one-on-one -on -one situation. If you and I are sitting at Starbucks, and I go, look at me, look at me, like, right, you're going to be like, hey, man, you're weird, like, step off right? But, you know, 
Peter does this, and the guy looks at him, and Peter says this. I love what he says next to him. He says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And the man gets up and he walks. And he doesn't just walk, he runs, he sprints. Wouldn't you? I mean, come on. Like, he gets up. He's never walked a day in his life, and he gets up and he walks, and he runs into the temple, and he's shouting, and he's screaming, and he's praising God, and he's letting everyone know what has just taken place, that that Jesus has healed him, that the name of Jesus has, has healed him. And there's all of these people in the temple, and everybody's looking around going, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. We just, isn't that the guy that we pass every single day on our way here to pray? Why is he walking? What has just happened here? What has just taken place? And then you have another group of people, the religious leaders inside of the temple, who are looking at them going, uh-uh, uh-uh, mm-mm, mm No, we've got to put a stop to this. And so they arrest Peter and John. You see, because these religious leaders inside of the temple, they didn't believe in a resurrected Jesus, and they didn't want Jesus doing Jesus' things. But Jesus was doing Jesus' things through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? This man was healed, and so they arrest Peter and John. And this is where we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 8. They've been arrested and about to be put on trial, and this is what takes place. Peter actually begins to preach his second sermon, by the way, and uh, it's even better than the first, much better than my second one, I promise you. This, verse 8 says this, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, really important there, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all of the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now let's stop right there. You need to understand this. Peter is saying this to the men who have arrested him. Peter is saying this to the people who have the power to put him to death. Like some of us think that we're persecuted for being Christians because we lost a friend or someone made fun of us. That's not persecution. You hear me? You hear me, church? That's not persecution. This is persecution. They could be put to death for even speaking the name of Jesus. Listen to what he says. The least, most seeker-sensitive sermon ever, okay? (laughs) Peter says this. He says, Of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, you killed him. He says, But whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. If Peter had a mic, he would have dropped it and walked off. And been like, deuces, I'm out. And he just laid out the gospel in front of him, right? He just said, You killed him. You crucified him. But God raised him from the dead. You didn't win. He wins. Verse 13. He says, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. I love that because that's just a reminder to us all that God can use anybody. I mean, Peter, take Peter, Peter was a fisherman by trade. And so for the people in the temple to say that they were common, uneducated men, basically what they were saying, they were saying these are just regular people. They were just regular people. And they were astonished at their boldness. Have you ever had someone say to you that they were astonished by your boldness? 
Do you want them to? It says they were astonished by the boldness, but listen to what they say next. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I'm telling you, church, when you've been with Jesus, you will never be the same. You'll never be the same. And they looked at Peter and they said, there's something special about this guy, and it's because he's been with Jesus. And so this group of religious leaders, this council of people, they threaten Peter and John not to say anything any further. They tell them, okay, here's the deal. We're going to let you go, but don't do this anymore. No more Jesus talk. No more yakety-yak about Jesus. Like, stop it, okay? Do it again. We're going to kill you. Pick it up, verse 19 of chapter 4. It says this. I love this. They just told, hey, we're going to kill you if you do this again. And Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had threatened them again further, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. And so they let them go. And when they let them go, being threatened, knowing that they could be killed for even speaking the name of Jesus, look at the boldness, how it continues. Verse 23 says, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they ran and hid and never spoke of Jesus again. No, wait, that's not what it says, is it? No. Verse 24 says, And when they heard it, they lifted their voice together to God, and they began to sing and pray together. And listen to what they prayed. They said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servants Jesus whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles, meaning people who were not Jewish, and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Do you hear what they just prayed right there in verse 28? They just prayed for God to do whatever God was going to do. They didn't say, God, get us out of this mess. God, get us away from these people. God, keep us safe. They just prayed, God, you do what your will has set to do. Verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So they get together with a group of people and they just begin to pray. There's something very powerful that happens when people get together to pray. Have you ever been in a group of people where you just prayed with people and you just sort of just felt something different? It's the, the power of the Holy Spirit where you're praying together. Others are praying over you. Maybe you're praying over other people. You're just in a group of people praying. I, I love that. I love the, the resurgence of prayer that's happening right here in this church right now. We, we've always been a church that has prayed, but, but we've, we've, we're shifting from a church that prays to being a praying church church, shifting from people who pray to being a people of prayer because we understand and know that there's power in gathering together with other believers and praying. When you 
uh, have something that, that you want to send to us, whether you put something on your Connect card to say, hey, I'm going through this, or I, have, I know someone who's experiencing this. Would you pray with me about this? Would you pray for me about this? There are people who gather around those things and pray over those things. You're not walking and praying on those things all by yourself. You are going into that with other people who are praying for you, who are praying with you. There is great power in that. Power in praying with others. Power in praying with your kids, with friends, with strangers even. You ever had one of those moments when uh, maybe a complete stranger, maybe it's somebody that you know who comes up to you and says, hey, would you pray for me? You know, and they ask you to pray for them about something. And, and, and if you're like me, sometimes this is your response. You're like, yeah, sure, I, I'd love to pray for you. I'll pray for you, right? And then you go home and then, you know, life happens and you come back. You see them the next day or the next week or whenever it is, the next time that you see them and they come to you and they make you feel really bad because they go, hey, thank you so much for praying for me. And you go, yeah. You know, when you stretch out a word really long like that, you're lying, right? Like, you know that, right? And so you're like, yeah, you know. And so you're just like, um, you're welcome. And you're like, I have no idea what they even asked me to pray for because you forgot, right? You forgot. Listen, you want to freak somebody out? When somebody says, hey, will you pray for me? Would, what, what if you just stopped and prayed for them right then and there, right now? Like, that might freak people out sometimes because people will go, oh, like, you mean like right now? Like, you want to do this here? You're like, yeah, like right now, let's pray right now. And hey, if you want to get really weird about it, do it in the middle of Walmart, okay? Because listen, there's, there's already weird things that are going on there anyway. Nobody will notice anything different. Just be like, what are those people doing? Ah, they're praying. Let's just, you know, let's keep going. Right? There are weirder things happening in Walmart, I promise you. But if you, want to, if you want to freak somebody out, like just pray for them right there. Pray for them right there. And for the record, Rusty Sampson, our executive pastor here, he preached a couple of weeks ago, and he uh, sort of made fun of me a little bit because he said that when I get in groups of people to pray that I'm an interlocker. He said that, that you know, like because sometimes you get in groups of people and you like to pray with other people, and so you'll grab hands, okay? And he said that, you know, don't get close to Bobby because Bobby will interlock. Like he'll try to, try to do that. Not true. Not true, okay? Listen, there are several rules that you have to follow when you're in groups of people praying. Number one is you cup, okay? You cup. It's cup, all right? You cup hands. If you have sweaty hands, wipe those jokers off, too, before you, you get, you know, on yourself and not on the person next to you. We don't want your sweat, so you cup hands. If you're single, it's okay to interlock, okay? Like, set yourself up in a really strategic place so you interlock with the person that you want to, like, go out on a date with. Like, that's okay. You do that. Just don't do it with me. I'm not single, okay? So, like, cup, okay? Rule number one, you cup. Rule number two, don't hand me your finger. I don't want to hold your finger, okay? We hold hands, all right? We, that's, men, it's okay. It's all right, all right? Listen, Rule, rule number three, rule number three, here's the deal, this is a big one. When you're praying with other people, and it's one of those things where everybody's going around praying, you know, and you've said your prayer, and when you finish, give us a squeeze, okay? <laughs> give us a squeeze. I want to know that you're done, because I don't want to hop into that prayer, and you'd be like, I ain't finished, you know? Like, give us a, it's like a spiritual prayer wink, you know, hey, I'm done, you know, I'm done. You know, little, little hand squeeze, all right? So, anyway. Moving on. I don't know why we did that, but I just feel like you needed to know 
that. Oh, and by, when the prayer is over too, let me say this. When the prayer is over, don't linger. Let go, okay? Walk away. It's done, unless you're single, okay? Unless you're single. All right, anyway, moving on. Two prayers that I want to challenge you to pray beginning today. Today is Sunday, and for some of you, like, I start things on Monday. Today's the first day of the week, so start today, okay? Two things I want you to pray beginning today. The first thing is this. I want you to pray for boldness from the Holy Spirit. I want you to pray for boldness. Listen to verse 29 again. It says this. It says, And now, Lord, this is their prayer, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your words with all boldness. They pray for boldness. They, they could have prayed for a lot of things. They could have prayed for God to, to get them out of there. They could have prayed for God to take care of their enemies. They could have prayed for God to keep them safe, but they didn't pray for safety. They prayed for boldness, to speak louder, to speak more boldly about the gospel. They didn't pray for anything external but the internal. Not for God to get them around the situation, but for God to push them through the situation. So have you ever prayed for boldness? Boldness to reflect the gospel, boldness to speak boldly and clearly about the gospel, to be courageous and strong in the gospel? I know that for myself, I, I don't pray for boldness like I should, but I know that there are certain times when I will... Uh, after, I know that going into certain situations, I know that it's going to be uh, smart for me to pray for boldness because I'm going I'm to need boldness. Like I, I want to speak the gospel clearly. I want to speak it with boldness when I get up to preach. And so when I get up to preach on most Sundays or any other place that I get up to preach, I have a, this little thing inside of my Bible right here that I put in here when I first got this Bible about 10 years ago. And it's just a thing that sometimes I pray through. Just things that remind me to pray for certain things. And down about four lines, it says, give me energy and power to speak boldly. Because I want to speak about the gospel with boldness. Nobody wants to hear someone get up and talk about Jesus by going, hey, there's this guy, Jesus, he's okay. He, you know, he's pretty cool, I guess. I don't know, maybe you'll like him, maybe you want You don't have to, it's, you know, I mean, Whatever. Like, I don't like, I don't want that Jesus. Do you want that Jesus? I want the Jesus that has a tattoo on his thigh and a sword in his hand who is coming again. That's the Jesus that I read about in the Bible, and that's the Jesus that says, speak with boldness. And so when we speak about Jesus, we should speak with boldness like the apostles did, like Paul does. When Paul even asked for others, he says, pray for me that I may be bold in speaking the gospel clearly. But it's not necessarily the boldness that I want people to see. I don't want people to see the boldness. I want people to see that I've been with Jesus. Don't you want people to see that you've been with Jesus? If you're a believer, don't you want people to see that? I believe that when we pray for boldness, God will give us boldness. Listen, it's almost as if God is daring us to pray for boldness, isn't it? He tells us at the end of Matthew 28, he says, go, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And then he says this, he says, and I will be with you. He's like, I'm daring you to be bold because I'm with you. I'm going before you. Acts 1.8, he says, I will give you power. The Holy Spirit is power. So he says, I'm daring you to be bold, to speak boldly, to live 
boldly. And then number two, pray for the courage to walk in the boldness. It's one thing to pray for boldness. It's another thing to actually walk in that boldness. Look at what they do in Acts 4, 31. It says, and when they had prayed together, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, there's that word again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Verse 32, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common, meaning that all of the believers together, they said, you know what, what's mine is yours. I'm going to share everything that I have. And you don't do that unless you're bold. Because you believe that God's going to provide for you. If you give something, you believe that God is a generous God and that he will provide whatever it is that you have given. And then verse 33, it says, And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Many of you know um, Crystal Jester and, and Jeannie Smith. And maybe you don't. If you've not had a chance to meet them yet, I encourage you to, uh, to get to know them. But uh, Crystal and Jeannie, they, uh, they both volunteer in our kids' ministry here at the Ridge. And uh, Crystal and Jeannie came to the Ridge about a year ago. Uh, we do a, an outreach every year. Uh, we partner with the city of Oak Ridge to do... Uh, pictures with the Easter bunny. And so the city of Oak Ridge has a big Easter egg hunt and we uh, take the Easter bunny down there and we set up and we take pictures, free pictures for families. We put them on our website and people go to the website and download these pictures with the Easter bunny, which by the way, is coming up this uh, Saturday, this coming Saturday, right? And uh, if you're looking to help out with that and volunteer for that, we can still use a few more people. So take your connect card and fill it out and say, hey, I would like to volunteer with that. But here's, listen to this cool story. Here's how cool this is when this happens. Crystal was invited to the Ridge at the Easter egg hunt that year by one of our volunteers. And so Crystal and her mom show up to Easter Sunday here at the Ridge. A few months after that, she continued to come. A few months after that, she gave her life to Jesus. And then a few months after that, she was baptized. Crystal, at 27 years old, four children, up until Easter Sunday last year, had never been to church. Never. First time. And so for those of you who never really get outside of our Christian subculture bubbles that we walk in, there are people all around us who have never been to church. And listen, it's going, it's going to happen more and more and more. But Crystal had never been to church, so she comes to church, gets, uh, receives Jesus as Savior, gets baptized, and then she begins to, to walk in that boldness. Uh, a few uh, weeks ago, we have a recovery ministry, uh, recovery groups that meet here on Tuesday nights, and um, it's just a, a great opportunity for people with all kinds of hurts and habits and hangups and, and things that are just um, big in their lives. They, they, they come to these recovery groups, and we had a celebration night, a chip night. We call it chip night because you get a chip for uh, walking in obedience to the Lord after several months or Maybe it's sobriety or, or whatever it is that issue you may be dealing with. Well, Crystal uh, received her first chip that night, and she got up and she spoke. And I was sitting right back there, and I was listening to her speak. And she spoke with boldness. 
a boldness that I had never seen before. And I thought to myself, I was like, that's somebody that has, has been with Jesus. That is somebody that has been with Jesus. And so I asked Crystal and Jeannie to share a little bit of their story. And so Crystal wrote this. She said, after her baptism, she said, It was a, a declaration of the start of my new life, and I am extremely glad I did it. From there, I began doing more volunteer work, including volunteering in the nursery and helping out at Choices Resource Center here in Oak Ridge. And I found joy in helping others. In November... The Ridge started a recovery group, and even though I'm not addicted to drugs or alcohol, I quickly joined. I was ready to try to let go of my anger, and I learned that I learned was a symptom of my past pains and regrets. I'm telling you, church, there's something crazy, good, Jesus-like happening in recovery ministry here at the Ridge. 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights, we'll see you there. She says, my life didn't magically become perfect, but I am calmer during the trials that come my way because I know I have God by my side. And listen, and through him, I have no one to fear. Boldness. Her mom, Jeannie, she, she wrote this. She said, I started coming to the ridge for my daughter, but I stayed because it feels like I'm home every time I walk through the doors. I stopped going to church for many years, but I never stopped believing in God. The ridge has taught me that, that bad things happen, and it's not God's fault. For a long time, I blamed him for taking my daughter, Judy, at 17, and I only prayed for me, my pain, my grief, my loss. But now, I pray for everyone. I feel their pain, I feel their loss, and I feel their grief because I feel God's love. Boldness. Pray for boldness, and you walk in boldness. My son Isaiah, six years old, and he started playing soccer for the first time last year and um, just started a new soccer season this year. But I'll never forget him scoring one of his first goals. He, um, he, he scored a goal and he kicked it. And it was almost like slow motion when you see one of your children do things for the first time, right? You know, it kind of, the ball is just like, looks like in my mind just barely moving with the ball just he kicks it and it goes right in the goal and when it goes in the goal my son he just stops as it's going before it even gets into the goal he just stops and he does this and when it goes in the goal he just goes woo! and I think you know he's just gonna you know be like all right that's good you know celebrate that goal that's awesome but then he just leaves his hands up and he turns around and he just walks back like this slow walk not running slow I, I, I told Denaro my wife I said I think we got to work on humility <laughs> but you know what I loved about that it's funny but you know what I loved about that this is just boldness isn't it it's walking in boldness and don't we just want to be like this about the gospel to so just stand there Proclaim the greatness and the goodness of God with full clarity and boldness in the darkest corners of our world, whatever your reality is, in the face of your fears, in the face of your worries, that you stand boldly in front of the throne of God and proclaim His promises and His goodness and His greatness so that you can reflect that same boldness in gospel. To wherever you may be. Would you stand with me as we pray together for boldness?
Father God, we are humbled, Lord, God, to, to just be able to experience, God, all of the fullness of your grace and mercy. God, we thank you for your word, how it cuts to our hearts, God, how it makes us brave, God, how it gives us courage. And so, Father, collectively, together, and, and individually, Lord, we just we pray for boldness, God. We pray that you fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you make us brave, that you make us bold. God, it is the same power, it is the same Holy Spirit, God, that you breathe into us, that you breathe into your Son, Jesus, that raised him from the grave. God, it's that same power that we walk in. It's that same power that we have. And so, Father, let us not only pray for that boldness, but let us be brave enough and courageous enough to walk in it, to be bold, to be brave. For your name and for your glory.